for joining us for today's episode of The Play Readers, a podcast where we discuss unusual or infrequently produced plays. I'm your co-host, Andrea. And I'm Nick. And we are The Play Readers. Today, we're taking a look at The Hold Up, a dark comedy by Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Marsha Norman, which was first performed in 1983. For those of you unfamiliar with Marsha Norman, she won the Pulitzer Prize in 1983 for a play called Night Mother, which she is, which is by far the thing that she is most well-known for. She's also known at this point in time mostly for, she's done the librettos and the books for a lot of musicals. Oh, interesting. Specifically, we have The Secret Garden, The Red Shoes, The Color Purple, and The Bridges of Madison County. Wow. The latter of which would be from 2013, so that would be the most recent thing. Okay. So that's mostly what she's done. She's written a lot of other plays, and for purposes of this podcast, I read not just The Hold Up, but also Night Mother and three of her other plays. Wow. Her first play that got her sort of in the door in the first place, it's called Getting Out mm-hmm. from 1977, just to give you an idea when her uh, career began. Mm-hmm. And Getting Out was about a woman getting out of prison and it got some attention. She's from Louisville, Kentucky, and so she did stuff regionally through there before her stuff started getting on Broadway. Sure. Uh, she did another play that ended up being a one act that got put into two. It's called Third and Oak, mm-hmm. and that's from 1978. Night Mother appeared on Broadway on March 31st, 1983 at the John Golden Theater in New York. Mm-hmm. And The Hold Up was first presented at the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco on April 12th, 1983. Oh, wow. So only a little bit less than two weeks in between of those. And it's an interesting contrast because if you know the play Night Mother. Oh, yeah, it's heavy. (laughs) It's a very, very heavy play about suicide. Right. Specifically, it's a a two-person show and it pulls no punches. Mm Mm-hmm. The Hold Up also deals with the subject of suicide. Okay. But it's a dark comedy, so it's a much lighter tone. Really? And we'll get into that when I go into the, the plot description. But yeah, it, it, it's sort of, I mean, it's not to the point like if you've seen The Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. They really play suicide for comedy. So it's not quite to that level of levity. Right. But it's still, it's it's definitely a stark contrast from Night Mother. Sure. Which is, it's a Western, and it's it's a little bit lighter and not nearly as, as heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not likely to be crying at the end of this one. Sure. All right, so what does the cast look like for this show? It's a very small cast. Yeah. Four people. Okay. Uh, you know, kind of a big contrast to some of the older plays. Because if we talk about sure. older plays, it's almost always these huge casts. Whereas this is from 1983, so we got this tiny little, yeah, this little four-person cast. This is a fraction of, you know, what you were looking at for RUR, for instance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got four roles. There are three men and one woman in this play. Mm-hmm. First, we got the outlaw. He's 50-ish. Mm-hmm. It says approaching 50. He probably looks a lot older than he actually is. That's sort of something that, that goes into detail with the script. Yeah. We've got his sort of his lady friend, his romantic interest. This, mm-hmm. That's Lily. And she's younger than him. Mm-hmm. It says probably late 30s. Okay. Something like that. So late 30s, early 40s. 
Then you got these two brothers. There's Archie Tucker and Henry Tucker. Okay. Archie is 17. Mm-hmm. And Henry is, I believe they explicitly say he's 30. Okay. So that's what your cast looks like. So that sounds like a pretty simple cast. Is the set also fairly simple? Well, the actual location of the play is in New Mexico, and it's out in the middle of nowhere on a field. And so the oh. set is a cook shack. Okay, so it's out of doors then. It's outside, yes. It's wow. the area immediately in front of a cook shack. Uh-huh. Uh, you would have some kind of a fire mm-hmm. going as far as lights go, and there's a part in the play where... You need to burn stuff, so you'll have to figure out that uh, as well. Um, I'm not personally a big fan of real fire on stage. I think that it can be really easily faked, and just for safety precautions, really, it should be. Right. So it's just really this cook shack, Mm -hmm. and most of the action takes place out in front of it, and occasionally the characters will go inside and get something, and then they'll come out. Mm -hmm. And it takes place in 1914. But one of the set requirements or one of the things that's brought up in the set is that most of it looks like it could easily be 30 years old. Oh, okay. It's just an old, old shack, but there's some new-looking equipment, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So there's a little hint of the modern day kind of seeping into something that's already at that point a little rustic. Any other major challenges that you foresee, you know, especially with regards to costumes or props that we haven't talked about? Well, it'd be a, it's a period piece. It takes mm-hmm. place in 1914, so you would need costumes appropriate to that period, but you'd only have to be costuming four people. So yeah. I, I don't know that, I, I mean, I don't know enough about costuming to tell you whether or not that's going to be a massive challenge. Uh-huh. It's definitely not going to be the undertaking like what we had with RUR, where we had robots and that sort of thing. So Absolutely. Relatively light as far as that goes. I mean, props... You probably want to decorate the set with a combination of older and newer tools, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Maybe some greenery to suggest you're out on the range or something like that. Maybe. I think that in New Mexico you would have cacti. That's right. Yep. (laughs) Good point. Something. I mean, it really depends on how much detail you want to go into this, Mm -hmm. I think. I I do believe that this is something that could be done on a pretty low budget. Yeah. Uh, the only other things, there's some physical acting stuff mm-hmm. to keep in mind. I mean, I mentioned that you'll need to burn something on stage. Mm-hmm. There's also a point where an actor needs to be able to vomit on stage. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> there's some physicality. Right. Well, uh, let's just get into the plot then. You know, you've already mentioned, you know, a couple of needs with regards to the action. So uh, let's just talk about what actually happens. All right. This play takes place over the course of two acts. Mm -hmm. So it's a real simple split right down the middle. You want to put an intermission right between the two acts. Outstanding. And the set hardly changes at all in between. In fact, I would go so far as to say the set doesn't need to change at all in between <laughs> this is, sets. This is so different from RUR. <laughs> yeah. It opens and it's dark. And uh, you have the outlaw on one side of the stage and the and Archie mm-hmm. on another side of the stage. And, of course, me, I'm imagining it on, on opposite ends of the stage. But I suppose, depending on what kind of theater you have to work with, you could put them just about anywhere. Right. Just as long as... It's, there's the impression of them being in the dark. 
Okay. So you're probably looking at like a blue spotlight or something. Sure. On these guys. The outlaw is talking to his horse because he has to put him down. Mm. Yeah, the horse isn't going to make it, so he's got to put it down, and he's sort of sorrowful about this. And Archie, meanwhile, is hiding from coyotes, so his so the play begins with him praying. Okay. He's praying to God to help him because he needs to make a mad dash from wherever it is he is to the cook shack. Okay. Without this coyote getting him. Oh, the lights go down after this little opening sequence, and the lights come back up on the cook shack. Mm-hmm. And Archie is, you know, Mad Dash coming in there, and yeah. there's there's sort of a, the impression that the outlaw hears him. Uh-huh. And he goes to the shack, and he's got a brother there. Now, Archie is 17. His brother is 30. His brother is a real piece of work. Yeah. I mean, he's just an absolute jerk Ow. throughout the entire play. There's there's mm-hmm. almost nothing likable about this character <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. He's such a he's just a, such a complete bully mm-hmm. to his brother. And we find out kind of during this opening thing where it's just the two of them talking, we're already getting hints of certain things. Mm-hmm. It is 1914. It takes place in New Mexico, mm-hmm. which, if, if you know your history, 1914 is the year that New Mexico became a state. Okay. So this is really the tail end of what we consider the Old West. Right. 1914 is also the year that World War I started. I was think that's what I was thinking. Right. So yeah. there are certain references to a war going on mm-hmm. or airplanes, because airplanes were brand spanking new yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. And we find out that Archie is very religious. We find out that Henry, besides being a complete callous jerk, he's also really into what what they keep calling outlaw books. Mm-hmm. Henry Tucker is a real history buff when it comes <laughs> to outlaws. He has fallen completely into the romanticized notions behind being a Wild West outlaw. He's been reading all of these dime store novels, yeah, right? and at the same time, like Archie repeatedly over the course of the play points out there are no outlaws anymore. Yeah. Because they're all either dead or retired. Yeah. You know, they've all, so many of them ended up getting killed at mm-hmm. a relatively young age. So by 1914, they were practically gone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then the outlaw shows up. You uh-huh. know, talking about how there's no outlaws and here comes this outlaw. <laughs> And he, and it's funny because the outlaw shows up with a gun and he demands eggs. And the whole time Henry and Archie are still arguing with each other. They never let up. Oh, wow. I mean, they argue with each other over absolutely all of the events that take place Mm -hmm. uh, throughout this opening. Even though this this guy shows up, he's got a gun, he's he's holding him up. Henry does eventually go and get the eggs cooked up. He goes into yeah. the cook shack and comes back out with some eggs for the for the outlaw. And they both spend the entire time teasing Archie. So oh. there's sort of this weird little bond starting to form between the two of them, just in this opening part, mm-hmm. where they're both picking on Poor little Archie, you know, <laughs> skinny little teenager, probably. Yeah. One of the things about Archie is he talks and talks and talks, and he can't seem to help himself. Yeah. Well, he's a teenage boy. Yeah. Yeah. And so we find out a lot of exposition as this is going on. We come to find out that, of course, Henry's kind of a jerk, and yeah. the reason they're both stuck behind is because he was being a jerk. And uh-huh. I mean, I'm not going to go into all the details of what's going on. Eventually, they hear a car. 
Oh, okay. Which is a new thing. Yeah. In 1914, and it and they joke about it. I can't really tell if they're joking or not, but Henry and the outlaw sort of joke about it being a horse <laughs> that they're hearing, and uh-huh. then you hear it really distinctly, and then Archie points out the obvious and says, "It's a car." Yeah. Because he knows what it is. They've 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 encountered them before, just okay. not usually out where they are. Yeah, that does seem like kind of weird to have a car out kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a nearby town or something. So okay. There's, there's definitely stuff and some civilization out there. They're just out in the middle of, you know, yeah. nowhere, miles from pretty much nothing else. Mm-hmm. Uh, just out there as ranch hands. Right. So then we get introduced to Lily. Okay. And Lily pulled up in the car. Oh. By herself. A woman driver. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, it's it's I think the representation as time goes on, it's because Lily is more attuned to what is new, mm-hmm. whereas the outlaw is more old fashioned. He came in on a horse, okay, right, and he's and he's actually reluctant to leave with Lily throughout here because she came in a car, and yeah. because he's reluctant to mess around with this newfangled technology, right. She's seeing the wave of the future, and he's kind of. Not riding that wave. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's, there's definitely a distinct difference between the two of them, but they have a history. Mm-hmm. They were together like 20 years prior to this. Oh, wow. And had a fling. And so they're getting together again. Mm-hmm. They arranged, somehow arranged to uh, meet out in the middle of nowhere at this cook shack. Okay. Uh, thinking that nobody was going to be there. We do find out about Lily. She was a sex worker, mm-hmm. as were a lot of women in the Old West. Yeah. And as time went on, she went legit. She actually, t- she had a house, mm-hmm. uh, a cat house, as they called it. Oh, she and was a madam? She was a madam. Okay. And now she is a hotel owner. Okay. And that's legit. It's not a euphemism. <laughs> she actually owns a hotel at this point. So she's gone. She's become a, an actual a legitimate business person. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's no longer the actual Old West. People were starting to create laws about prostitution. Yeah, there things were tightening up there. Boo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's, again, throughout all of this, Henry and Archie are arguing and uh, not being very well, Archie is trying to be brotherly, but Henry again, he's he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And uh, Henry is kind of suspiciously helpful to the outlaw. Mm-hmm. Like at first, he's belligerent, but now at this point in time, he's kind of like, no, you know, you can have whatever you want. He goes and he, you know, he gets him whatever he can. He gets the lady a drink and. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to hear, we're starting to learn just how extensive Henry's knowledge of outlaws is. Oh. It turns out most of what he read was at the barber shop. Yeah. The barber shop had a magazine that he read. So he read about all these outlaws while getting his hair cut, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, a lot of it was probably wildly exaggerated, I'm sure. More than likely, yeah. yeah. So eventually the outlaw and Lily get a chance to sort of just talk without the two kids there. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of talk here at this point about the outlaws settling down. Lily wants him to settle down. Sure. And just stop with this hard outlaw life, Start be, stop being on the run mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. She refers to him as Tom. Yeah. 
And Henry eventually guesses correctly that he is Tom McCarty, mm-hmm. who is an actual historical figure. Sure. I'm not going to claim to know a whole lot about him. I mean, he doesn't. the guy doesn't even have yeah. a Wikipedia article, I don't think. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, but he is an actual historical figure. I think in real life he was supposed to have been killed around 1900. Okay. So this is the, the idea of this play... Mm-hmm. is that Tom McCarty survived right. and now he's trying to figure out what to do with himself since he's little, basically the last outlaw. Sure. There is an actual hold-up hold-up too. It's funny. Uh, at one point in time, because they seem to expect he's going to hold them up, uh-huh. he pulls out the gun, points at him, says, stick them up. Yeah. <laughs> Gets them to put their faces down in the dirt, mm-hmm. put their hands behind their back. And Archie's saying, so now what you want to do, what, now what are we supposed to do? He says, I don't know. This was your idea. <laughs> I'm just indulging you. Yeah. <laughs> so the outlaws having a little fun at their expense. Uh-huh. Anyway, things escalate from here because Henry, again, Henry's a real jerk. And he's sort of romanticized, like a lot of people even to the present day have romanticized this idea of the Old West outlaw. Yeah. And... In his mind, the reason he's starting to be more helpful is because he thinks he can get the outlaw to take him along with him. Oh, sure. And he can work for them. Uh-huh. Well, the outlaw rebuffs him, decides he doesn't want to come along, makes it real clear it's just him and the lady and mm-hmm. nobody else coming along. Mm-hmm. And so Henry's tune changes completely and he thinks, you know what I could do is I could turn you in. Uh-huh. Dead or alive. Uh-huh. And he's got a gun. Okay. And he's had it this whole time. He just hasn't gone for it. Mm-hmm. And the outlaw, the outlaw is almost 50 years old. He's been down this road before. Oh, sure. And he warns Henry. He says, you know, what's going to happen is you're going to pull that gun out mm-hmm. and you're not going to be fast enough and I'm going to shoot you dead. Okay. Which is exactly what ends up happening. Oh, man. Spoilers. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's what okay. happens at this point. It's just an escalation right up to this point. Yeah. And then Tom the Outlaw just shoots Henry dead. Is this still in the first act? This is all still the first act. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So he's not, I mean, he's he's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't really miss him that much when oh, he gets Oh, man. Killed. Sure. Okay. And he did have plenty of prior warning up to yeah. that point. So there's a quick draw. Henry's dead. Mm-hmm. So you have to do that on stage. Right. So you're probably talking about blanks or a starter's... I know something to signify the gun. Somebody gets shot. Yeah. They, they crumple up. That's the end of the story. I think a lot of theaters have kind of their own way of handling whenever they have to do gunshots on stage. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Now Archie and Lily mm-hmm. are both angry. Golly gee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something to point out. I, I forgot to mention, prior to this... Henry tied Archie up. What? I mean, during the period of time where Henry was trying to get the outlaw to take him up, take him along with him, uh-huh. he ties his brother up. Why? Because he thinks the outlaw wants him to. Oh my God, Henry! Right. So again, you don't really feel that sorry for him, and even even the guy outlaw and Lily are both saying, "What kind of guy ties his brother up?" Yeah. And. Um, Outlaw goes ahead and he confesses that he's Tom McCarty. He was playing mm-hmm. around with him a little bit before, so it was a little ambiguous, but now he just flat out confesses. Yeah. And he says he's got lots and lots of money. 
in this satchel that he's carrying around. Oh, he's just got it on him. Just got all this money Uh from his outlaw days. Yeah. And Archie is just angry as hell. So he says, you're going to bury him. Yeah. We're going to have to bury him. And he has this whole explanation. So, you know, they can't, they can't just tie him to put him in the car, tie him to something and take him somewhere because the body would get gross and bloated because it would be days and days out in the hot sun. Yeah. Arizona. So he says, we're going to bury him here Mm -hmm. and you're going to dig the grave. Seems fair. Yeah, and the outlaw at first isn't going to do it, but then he looks that Lily gives him a look. Yeah. And so he gets on it, and that's the way the act ends. Wow. Action-packed. Now, then there's a nice little intermission for the audience. Mm-hmm. And act two starts up, and when act two starts up, there's maybe a little bit of a light change to signify that it's a little bit later, because this mm-hmm. is like overnight. All of this is happening over the course of a night. Okay. And the lights come up. And uh, you've got this trope where somebody manages to dig a very deep hole in the ground and put a body in it over the course of like an hour. (laughs) Yes. Right. So not a lot of time has passed. And Uh he was all done burying Henry at this point in time. So as we're opening up, uh, he's finishing the burial. Archie is still mad. Yeah. Uh, The outlaw and Lily, they bicker bicker with each other. And eventually what they end up doing with the three of them is just having this sort of impromptu, sort of a strange little funeral. Mm -hmm. There's this really good monologue. Yeah. We haven't really talked about monologues with her plays so much, but I'm just going to bring this up. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a good male monologue, there's a great one here where uh, the outlaw gives a eulogy. You would have mm-hmm. to do a little bit of editing because there's some lines in between what he's mm-hmm. saying. But I think if you cut it right, you could come up with a really good monologue wherein the outlaw talks about Henry and says some things about him. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty funny monologue because he really has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> uh-huh. He's really doing it just to appease Lily, who's doing it to appease Archie. Right. Uh, and the outlaw becomes sort of like depressed. I mean, he gets progressively more depressed because he's not happy with himself. He doesn't like the fact that he killed Henry either. Yeah. And the fact that these two are laying into him real thick. It's making him feel worse. It's making him feel worse and worse and worse and worse. And the fact that he's mucking up this funeral eulogy so badly. (laughs) So they're even more angry at him. Oh, man. And so he starts apologizing profusely, and then he reaches into his pocket, pulls something out, throws it in his mouth, and swallows it. And he says, that's how sorry I am. I just killed myself. What? He took a fistful of morphine. Oh! (laughs) Well, I I certainly didn't see that coming. Yeah. (laughs) It, it comes out of nowhere. Uh-huh. It really does. He just reaches into his pocket, pops this whatever, I mean, whatever prop you want to give him <laughs> to represent morphine. I didn't even... That would be a research question. I guess I always ima- like imagine morphine as being a liquid and not something that you would just... Maybe pills. Gulp. I mean, I, I really don't know for sure. I'd have to do some research. Yeah. I mean, if you were to produce this, you would want to know what that prop goes or, what it yeah, looks what, like. Or you just have the actor like reach into his pocket, pop into his mouth. You never even have to look at it. Yeah. Because he describes, he says it's morphine. And uh-huh. he says it's enough morphine to kill him. So, okay. So he's basically just committed suicide. Right. They're kind of, I mean, Lily and Archie are, they're incredulous. Yeah. Like, yeah, right, you did. You right. Know. Uh, Lily kind of snaps first and tries to put her finger down his throat. Uh-huh. 
And he gets really groggy really fast. I mm-hmm. mean, it kicks in really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, so he's already getting groggy. He's actually kind of acting like he enjoys it. I mean, the morphine high is pretty good, I guess. I mean, I was on morphine once and it wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah. He keeps arguing. I mean, it's funny how much arguing is actually done in this play through all these life and death situations. They're still all yeah. bickering at each <laughs> other through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, this is a dark comedy. Yeah, he starts slipping away, uh-huh. as in starting to slip into unconsciousness. At that mm-hmm. point, Lily and Archie freak out. Right. You know, they're not going to just sit and watch him kill himself. So they pick him up. They move him around. They try to keep him awake. Yeah. Uh, they give him, oh, this will be fun for the actor playing the role. Uh-huh. They give him tomatoes. Just probably crushed or diced tomatoes. Uh-huh. And get that down his throat, which causes him to puke. So okay. he's got to have schmutz on yeah. his jacket at some point. So this is this is one of those prop costume nightmares where he's got a he's got a puke on stage. Okay. Uh but that's part of how they end up saving him that and walking him around and getting him to talk. Mm-hmm. Um you could probably find a way to stage that puking scene so that you wouldn't have to deal with too much of a mess, I'm sure. Well, I assume they just pour the stuff in his mouth and then he essentially spit it out with some vomit-like acting. Uh-huh. Sure. Maybe turning up stage or something. Yeah. yeah. But he, okay. It, it's supposed to get everywhere. I mean, it's, oh, it's something I see. that they react to. It splatters on the ground. It's not like the vomit scene in God of Carnage, Yeah. for example. It's, uh, it's, it's a little more subtle than that, but it's still supposed to be kind of gross, right. I think. Okay. So they get him to vomit. He kind of stops goofing at one point, starts saying, don't let me die, don't let me die. Yeah. And they, I mean, there's a lot of physical stuff here because they're trying to pick him up and then they get knocked over and Mm -hmm. uh, the stage directions call for some falling down involved. So there would be, this would be the thing you would do as part of your warm up every time you perform the plays. Yeah. You do the physical stuff when they're holding him up and trying to move him around and stuff because Mm -hmm. it is very, it's described as being very, very awkward. Yeah, you definitely want to be well rehearsed on something like that, I'm sure. And then at one point, I because Lily and Archie are still talking to each other and they bond a little bit over this whole thing. Lily at one point in time uses the word sheriff, which causes the outlaw to perk up. Mm-hmm. And he starts having a flashback. Really? Well, I mean, you think yeah. about it. He's an outlaw. He's been in all kinds of gunfights. He's, oh, yeah. He's probably got some trauma there. Mm-hmm. So he starts having this flashback, essentially, and they play it up. Yeah. Because, again, they're trying to keep him from going under. Right. You know, so they go ahead and, and if he's having a flashback and, and experiencing something again, they play right along with it. Wow. And again, a dark comedy. Uh-huh. It's uh, Lily knows enough about his life to go along with it, but Archie doesn't know anything. Right. So there's a little bit of comedy in the fact that Archie is trying to play along with it, but can't uh-huh. quite get things right. Okay. I mean, the only thing he says, the only thing I remember is rem- is remember the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. Archie is ever helpful. Right. Throughout this whole play. Yeah. There's a, a little more discussion between Archie and, and Lily, and then the outlaw wakes up. Okay. And all this happens really fast. Yeah. I mean, he goes from taking the stuff to being groggy to almost dying to having the flashback mm-hmm. to waking up and being lucid. Wow. All within... 
probably 20 minutes. Okay. There's some lucidity here. Then he falls asleep, but it's a natural sleep. Okay. And here's where it gets kind of weird. <laughs> oh, here's where it gets weird. It wasn't weird before. So Lily asks Archie how old he is. Oh, okay. Archie says he's 17. Uh-huh. And she says that's old enough. Okay. And so they go back into the cook shack. Oh. And have sex. Oh. While the outlaw is sleeping. Now, it's interesting the way this scene plays out. Yeah. Because keeping in mind, this is the Old West. Yeah. She is a former prostitute. Yeah. It was probably a completely normal thing for her to be sleeping with guys who are 16 or 17 years old. Yep. Because that's how, I mean, that was the culture. That's how you made them into a man. And it was also 1914, so age of consent is not really... In 1914, he'd have been considered a man. Yeah. By the time he was 17 years old. Yeah. So it's, it's a cultural thing. It is a little uncomfortable from a modern standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. And the rationale, I think, is because at this point in time, Lily doesn't know what the outlaw is going to do when he wakes up. Mm -hmm. She says, he might decide to marry me. He might decide to leave me. He might decide to kill the both of us. We don't know. So we're going to have this little moment together Mm -hmm. and find before we find out what the next move is. Okay. It's a lot of stage kisses, too. Yeah. I think that Lily at one point in time kisses the outlaw, but she also kisses Archie. Mm-hmm. So whomever will be playing Lily. Yeah, she's got some smoochatunities. While they're in the shack mm-hmm. doing their thing, there's a light change to signify that some time passes. And right. so they go into the shack, light changes, they come back out. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's nothing explicit at all going on. Yeah, there's no need to hear any sex noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the outlaw wakes up at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And he is crabby. Sure. He yeah. doesn't seem to remember anything. Uh, so all of all of, he doesn't seem to acknowledge that all that stuff happened. He won't acknowledge that he begged for his life. Yeah. There's a big fight that starts that erupts between the outlaw and Archie. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to that satchel of money. Okay. And it turns out that the satchel of money doesn't have any money in it at all. Shocker. What it is, is it's a big stack of wanted posters and other outlaw memorabilia Oh. for himself. Okay, so it's like... So, so he collected the wanted posters that were up for himself. Like throughout his career and he's just kind of hauled this stuff around with him this whole time? Something like that, yeah. Okay. It's, it's his ego. Sure. Uh, Archie ends up burning it. Okay. Burning it all. Partly out of anger, and then the outlaw says, you know what, go ahead and burn it all. Yeah. And so he does, he ends up just giving Archie the rucksack. He mm-hmm. kind of calms down after the fight. That's... I mean, that's that's the way drama works, right? Yeah. There's the fight, and then there's the calm, and there's yeah. the fight, and then there's the calm. So you got the burning on stage. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out exactly how you want to handle that technically. Yeah. There are some final farewells. Archie starts talking about his plans. He's mm-hmm. going to get out of there. He's done with the cook shack. He's yeah. going to, because there, there's some concern that if the... Uh, the rest of the crew comes back mm-hmm. that he might get it blamed for killing his brother yeah uh there's some final farewells uh the outlaw finally gets into the car with lily mm-hmm. he they talk about a new identity for him and everything to figure out what's going on and sure. then the entire play ends with archie praying again like okay. he did at the very beginning of the play and there's this nice little bookend and uh and that's the end of the play wow that had some roller coasters <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that there's not a lot of like objectionable language on this, but there are probably some challenging subjects. Do you feel like this would still be appropriate for like a community theater or any other type of uh, small operation? Honestly, I think a community theater could totally get away with this. Okay. There's the whole sex with a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. People might object to that, but they might also take into consideration that it's context. Yeah. That said, I would not recommend this for high schools. Yeah. But honestly, outside of some of the subject matter, Mm -hmm. I could see community theaters getting away with this. I could see collegiate theaters easily doing this. Probably be a great collegiate theater show. Yeah. And of course, professional theaters. Mm -hmm. Professional theaters, by and large, can get away with just about anything. Yeah. It really just sort of depends on who their audience is. Absolutely. So who owns the rights on this show? The rights for this show, and I'll, uh, I'll go into a little bit of what I read here. Mm-hmm. The rights for the show are owned by a dramatist play service. Okay. Uh, you can find acting editions for all of the plays that I mentioned earlier that, uh, that I'd read. So Getting Out, The Hold Up, Night Mother, Traveler in the Dark, and Third and Oak mm-hmm. are all available. Although Third and Oak is available, I think, as two separate one-act plays okay the versions i read came from an anthology it's just called four plays okay by marcia norman that was published by the theater communications group okay and of course if you would just like to read this play i would suggest look it up on google books take a look at the interlibrary loans at your local library and they can get it that's i mean that's that's how I read it. <laughs> That's how we read all of these plays. Almost, oh my goodness. Unless we, unless we personally own them, but we're yeah. trying to cut back on the amount of stuff we have. <laughs> we're trying to utilize the library a lot more. And yeah. It's a good way to get lots and lots of reading in without cluttering up your space. Absolutely. So that's all that we have for The holdup. Our next play is I Have Been Here Before by J.B. Priestley. We'll have that one for you next month. Our music is Delightful D by Kevin McLeod. A link to his website can be found in our show notes. We can be found on Twitter at The Play Readers. Until we talk to you again, don't forget to read the stage directions. Mm-hmm.